You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're continuing on a series entitled Traps and Tricks. This is our third week. I hope you're getting something out of this. Uh, You need to know that God is greater and our confidence is in him. But we also must uh, be careful, not paranoid, but we have to be careful because we do have an enemy. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He cannot overwhelm us, thank God. I'll give you a minute to settle in. He cannot overwhelm us. Uh, So he has to do what I call he has to lay traps and he has to play tricks. And the more that we are aware of his traps and tricks, the more that we can avoid. So the purpose of this series is to make us aware. Second Corinthians tells us that he cannot take advantage of us unless we are ignorant of his devices. So we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. Come on, stir yourself up today. We're here for we're here short time and for big reason. So let's let's get all of this. This is going to equip us. This is going to arm us. This is going to prepare us so that we can live in a little more victory. How many of you would like a little more victory in your life? Okay. So he has traps and tricks. And the more that we are aware, the more that we can avoid. And part of that awareness, which is the purpose of this series, also will include adjustments. And so today we're going to look at something that... that I'm guessing would need to be adjusted in every life here. And uh, so we'll plow into this here in just a moment. First of all, from John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they, say that's us, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now let that register just for a moment. And then in Psalm 46, verse 10, It says, be still and know that I am God. So let's tie the two together real quick. Jesus said, this is eternal life. This is eternal life that we would know God, that we would know God. And then we find the psalmist saying that you need to be still so that you can know God. And it's through knowing God. Jesus said it himself. This is eternal life that you know God, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And so that's, that's a whole truckload of information right there. But we have to know him so that we can have eternal life. And the psalmist again, and I'm, I'm making a point here. He said, be still and know. All right, now bear that in mind. And let's shoot over to the enemy's thoughts just for a moment here. It is the enemy's top priority. He makes a supreme effort to keep you from these, to keep you from knowing God and to keep you from eternal life. Now, let's talk about eternal life here just for a moment. When does eternal life begin? When you receive Jesus, when you are born again, if you've been with us on Wednesday nights, it's when you are spirit born that eternal life comes into you and it lasts for how long? forever a trick question and so do you if you're a believer if you've received jesus into your heart do you have eternal life in you right now you do and and part of the outgrowth of that also is that you would have abundant life and so we have as believers eternal life and abundant life not that everybody's living in it 
Now, I shared this with the staff the other day. I don't want to get into this too deep right now. But our message is not just how to get into heaven after you die. Our message is also how to get into heaven before you die. Which is mean the kingdom of heaven, his grace, his help here on earth while we're living now. So the enemy's top priority and what he makes supreme effort at is to keep you from knowing God and to keep you from having and enjoying eternal life. So we could boil it down to this. Be still and know, stay with me, or be busy and never know, or be busy and forget about God and eternal life. So the trap and the trick that I want us to look at today, probably get some groans out of this, is busyness. Busyness. Everybody say busyness. Not business, but busyness. And this is a trap and it is a trick that we would live what I call marginless lives. We've talked a lot about this. The more margin you have, the less pressure you will have. The less margin you have, the more pressure you will have. If you live and lead a marginless life, so busy, so overloaded, overspent, everything else, you, you live with pressure constantly and you are hoping and a praying that just one thing doesn't go wrong because if one thing goes wrong, this whole thing could collapse like a house of cards. You cannot afford to live a marginless life. We've got to have margin in our lives. Oh, church, that was pathetic. Come on. We, we have got to have margin in our life. And the more margin that we have in our life, the less pressure we have in our life. And I meet too many people, far too many people, people that are heaven bound, people that love God and God loves them. They're living under such pressure. And a big part of their pressure comes from this trap and this trick called busyness. Now, busyness comes... And let me just describe it a little bit as if you didn't know what it was, but so that we can uh, take some good pictures of this, so to speak, and fully understand what's going on. Busyness takes place when we are thinking that we can get everything done or thinking that we have to get everything done or knowing that we can't get everything done, but we don't know what to do about it. Busyness is your enemy. Busyness is your enemy. It's the enemy of intimacy. Intimacy with God and intimacy with others. Uh, it's called Martha's disease. Remember Jesus went over to Martha and Mary's house? She had that disease of just busyness. In Luke ten forty and 41 in the Amplified Bible, here's several of the comments. Jesus commented that she was over, overly occupied and too busy. She was distracted with much serving. She was anxious and troubled about many things. It's Martha's disease, just trying to get it all done. I ran into this little saying, the only man who got all of his work done by Friday was Robinson Crusoe. (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't know. Read the book. It's awesome. (laughs) Busyness is the enemy of intimacy. It's the enemy of relationships. You know, and we have to fight it all the time. We think that we've got it all together. You know, and my, my 10-year-old son will say, hey, dad, you want to do this? You want to do this? 
And sometimes busyness would creep in. And, and we're going to find out how to push it back out. And I'll say, you know what? Daddy's got to do this or I've got to finish this or do this. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to kick through all those things and say, this will take 15 minutes and make a wonderful impression on my little guy. We have Nerf wars a lot. If you all know what Nerf guns are, we, it's a good thing. 15 minutes, a blast, and then we're back at it. And he, he feels great about it. And I feel tired. <laughs> Because we're rolling and diving and jumping behind things, but it's, it's good for us. But busyness is the enemy of relationships. It's the enemy of your health. It's the enemy of emotional stability. It's the enemy of joy and peace. The enemy of satisfaction and fulfillment. It's actually the enemy of productivity and efficiency. And it's an enemy of your spiritual life. People live under the tyranny of the urgent and the exciting We live under the burden of obligation and we're driven by guilt, but we're also driven by sincerity. A lot of our busyness has to do with guilt and obligation, but some of it actually has to do with sincerity. We sincerely want to help. We want to add. We want, we want to uh, finish something. Busyness causes us to either be void of priorities or it will cause us to compromise our priorities. Now get a hold of this. Priorities has to do with order. You put things in an order because of priorities. Y'all with me? Move, do nod something. Okay. Priorities have to do with order in our life. And if you are void of priorities or you compromise your priorities, your life is, you ready? Out of order. And most things that you would hang a sign on that says out of order means what? It's broken. It means it does not work. And so if your life is out of order, it means it is broken. It does not work. This is dysfunctional. And so a big part of the problem is busyness. There's a Greek proverb that says you will break the bow if you always keep it bent. And then here's the other part of busyness. I mentioned that it's, it's an enemy to your spiritual life. Uh, the things of God become either missing entirely or they become very, very optional when you're busy. Come on. The things of God. What do I mean by things of God? There are people that love God, but do not pray. There are people living prayerless lives because of busyness. There are people that if they read the Bible at all, when they do read it, they're rushing through it because they live with this sense of busyness and pressure just got so much to do and it's on them and i've actually heard people say this too they'll say this we've been so busy we thought we would give ourselves a break and just skip church as if that's a reward that's a trick listen to me that's a trick that he was able to lead you around by the nose all week and get you all tied up in knots and then you feel like You know what? We deserve this. We've earned this to shut God out of our life for a day. It's a a relief. It's a reward. No, my friend, it is a trick and it is a trap to push the things of God either out of our life or to make them very, very optional. And then also we live by the principles of Sabbath. Okay. I know there's some debate about Sabbath, but understand this. Man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was was made for man. Mine is tomorrow. 
minus tomorrow. There's no way I can Sabbath today. <laughs> and, the, and there are principles of the Sabbath. I did a series a couple years ago called Reasons for Rest. Reasons for Rest. And it's important that you operate by and observe the principles of Sabbath. Or you will end up with a forced Sabbath. And a forced Sabbath is, for example, the children of Israel would not rest or Sabbath the land like they were supposed to. And they ended up in captivity, totaling the same amount of time that they would have taken off to rest or Sabbath the land. Sometimes, I'm not saying this about everybody in the hospital or everybody sick or whatever. But I'm telling you what, sometimes you end up flat on your back as a form of a forced Sabbath because God designed you run this long and then turn it off, run this long and then turn it off. And, uh, that's not my whole purpose this morning, but you know what? You'll blow right past. If you are too busy, you're going to blow right past the principles of Sabbath, which God put in his word for a reason. Now I want to read to you something called the busyness parable. We have a man that we'll call disciple. Everybody say disciple is a person disciple. He has everything he needs to be victorious in life. He has all of the authority and power of heaven, as well as spiritual weapons to defeat any known enemy. He has the whole armor of God at his disposal, truth, righteousness, faith, salvation, and peace. He even has the powerful sword called the word of God. There's no weapon great enough to defeat disciple. But he also has one responsibility. He must dress himself each morning, putting on the whole armor of God. On the other hand, there's a dangerous enemy that we'll call enemy. Everybody say enemy. Enemy. He knows that he's no match for disciple. Okay, you get in the picture here? He can't penetrate the armor that disciple wears. Enemy must then devise a plan to defeat disciple. Therefore, he appoints one of his fiercest fiercest commanders to devise a plan to destroy disciple. This commander's name is busyness. Busyness goes to disciple one day and says, hey, I don't want to coerce you to do something evil. I don't want you to commit adultery. I don't want you to murder someone. I don't want you to lie or to steal. In fact, I only want you to do good things. So let's get busy doing a lot. Of good things. Busy with work, busy with school, busy with church, busy entertaining ourselves, on and on and on. Let's keep ourselves busy with good things. Disciple only wants to please God and would never contemplate cheating on his wife or lying or stealing or killing. So it sounds reasonable to him. He gets busy doing a lot of good things, totally involved in church, working hard to provide nice things for his family, going to football, soccer, theater, anywhere, in anything that makes him feel better about himself. Then one day enemy comes around his backside and attacks. Disciple is devastated because he's not had time to put on the whole armor of God. He's been so busy that there's been no time in his schedule for prayer. He's so full of activities, good activities, that there's no room in his day to put on God's protective armor. He's left vulnerable to the wiles of the enemy. He wakes up one morning and discovers himself and wakes up one morning and discovers himself doing those things that he would never have dreamed of. And now he's been completely defeated. 
And see, you and I have at our disposal everything so that we could have victory in our life. When we take care of things properly according to God's standards, we wear an armor that is impenetrable. We have the sword of the spirit. We have help from heaven to live in victory. Come on. But the thing is, we leave half of it. You know, in my mind, I almost picture it, you know, that we've got a place to hang it all up. Now, personally, I think we wear it all the time. But for the sake of the picture here, I think there's discipline that we go through on a daily, daily basis to make sure that we are dressed in full armor every day. There's never a day that you don't need your full armor. Come on. I mean, there's never a football game that, you know, we decide we're not wearing helmets today. You know, we're not going to wear cleats today. Just wear those flip flops. You know, and you're laughing because that's foolish. But yet in our day-to-day life, we feel like things are going fine for me and I'm busy. And we don't even take the time to put on the armor of God, which I'm going to be teaching on later in the fall, I'm pretty sure. Because it keeps coming up. But we don't take the time to do that. And we think, I would never do this and I would never do that. And the enemy knows I cannot get through that armor. And I don't, I, I can't even get near that sword And I know that the help that he has, but you know what? There's some level of participation and and cooperation on our part that we start leaving off our handle and not wearing our cleats. And I don't need the shield today and sword of the spirit. That thing's kind of heavy. I'll just kind of leave it behind. And you know what? Before you find you're naked and defeated, so to speak, by the enemy and the enemy loves to use busyness. I hope you see that it is a trap. And it is a trick. If you're with me so far, say amen. Amen. So why are we so busy? Let's look at this a little bit. Why are we so busy? First of all, it is the nature of our times and our culture. I have said this for years that the tragedy of our culture is the pace of it. Everything is so fast. In 1850, was anybody here alive in 1850? Okay. In 1850, the average American slept... Nine and a half to ten hours every night. Now we are now approaching our average is just under seven hours a night. And there's a lot of reasons for it that we'll look, we'll look here. But it's the pace of our culture that we keep on going. The acceleration of time, the compression of events, and technology. Technology. There's more to see and there's more to do. I can remember as a child... Certain time at night that the TV, they sang the national anthem. I think Mylon shared about this when he was here too. National anthem. And then it went to color bars and, and, zzz, and that was it. And if you woke up in the middle of the night, there was nothing to watch. And board games were bestsellers and people slept more. But this is coming on and that's coming on. And we've got, you know, we've got internet and we've got all of these things. And there's so much to see and there's just so much to do. And so technology that was supposed to actually help us get some of this stuff done so we could have more time and be less busy. Has now just filled up our time and we're busier than ever. So first of all, the nature of our times and culture. Second of all, unresolved emotional needs. Some of you didn't want me to bring this up. You're busy because of unresolved emotional needs. It doesn't allow a person to rest or to be still. They've got this idea. I have to stay busy. If I'm not busy, I feel guilty. 
Now, don't anybody raise their hands, but some of you this morning, let this register. If you're not busy, do you feel guilty? Now, I know some of you could lay by work all day long and it it doesn't bother you at all. But for some people, there's this built-in kind of thing that I've got to stay busy. I've got to stay busy. I've got to stay busy. got to stay busy. Or you feel guilty. Unresolved emotional needs. Here's another one. Unrealistic expectations. And it's, I can get it all done. I can do this. I can get it all done. Or let me bump this a little bit further. I'm the only one that can do this thing right. And it's the trip and the trap. Trap and trick. Trap and trick of perfectionism. I'm I'm the only one that can do this right. God forbid that you actually show somebody else how to do it. And give them a little bit of time to to learn how to do some things. But we also have unrealistic expectations. And then lastly, we have undisciplined lifestyles. Undisciplined lifestyles. It just means nobody's directing traffic. It's things are just coming and going and the urgent and exciting and everything else just coming in and through our life. And it is absolute mess. And what we do then as a result of these things, y'all still here? Yes. We're going to find out what to do about it in just a moment here. As a result of these things, we fail to balance the big three activities of our life. And here's what they are. Worship, work, and play. Worship, work, and play. And we fail to balance those things right. Uh, too many people then end up worshiping their work. Working at their play and playing at their worship. And what happens when your worship, your work, and your play are out of balance, your life becomes distorted. Your life becomes distorted. Everybody's a worshiper. And you're going to worship and serve something or somebody. You were designed to worship God and He alone, and He has to be in first place. And when you have worship out of whack, and I'm not just talking about singing a song, lifting your hands. Worship is anything that we do that we know that we're doing, that we're being, that we know that's what he wants. That's what he wants. That's what worship is. When you're kind to somebody, that's worship. When you come to church, that's worship. Uh, we could go on and on and on. When you sit down and, and get into his word and let his word speak to you, that's worship. Come on. We're a few weeks away from coffee shop, but I wish we had it today because you, you people need to wake up in this place. I'm trying to save your hide. But then we end up with our life all out of balance and distorted because of busyness for a lot of different reasons. So I want to share with you, and this will be very quick here, so hold on. But I want to share with you five things that are going to help you to overcome the trap and the trick of busyness. Number one, pray. Everybody say pray. You need to pray about every major decision or opportunity. You need to pray about every major decision or opportunity. I am appalled and shocked by the number of believers I'll talk to. And they'll say, I'm trying to decide this or this. And and sometimes I feel almost facetious asking. I'll say, well, have have you prayed about it? Maybe I should. (laughs) You, you, You think I should? I'm going... You mean you're coming to ask me what I think? Asking me what I think. I hardly know your whole life. There's one who does. And you haven't asked him. So for every major decision or opportunity, you should pray. Everybody say pray. Pray. And then be led by peace or lack of it. 
There'll be a leading. God will help you. And you'll know, I, yeah, you know what? I've got a real peace about doing this. And you've got, you've got to perfect this because you, you can shoot and miss sometimes too. And sometimes there's a lack of peace. And here's what you pray for. Ultimately, this is what you're asking for. Wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom. Wisdom always asks this question. What is best? What is best? And when you think what is best, you have to think about results. What is the end result here? What is best? And good is the enemy of best. Good is the enemy of best. Listen to this. Good is filling our lives with our actions. Best is finding and fulfilling God's actions for our life. You can live a life of generalities or you can live a life of precision. I'm hoping this is sinking. You can live a life of generalities or you can live a life of precision. You can live based on good ideas or you can live based on God ideas. And let me tell you something. Whatever God reveals, he will empower. And whatever he empowers, he will bless. And he reveals when you ask him. And you ask him in prayer. And so, God, I don't know what to do. Or, God, I've got these three things. Help me decide what to do. I've got an opportunity. I've got a decision. The first thing you need to do, because there's going to be all kinds of things constantly coming at you. You're going to start to be aware of this as a result of this message. Some of this, this message is going to mess some of you guys up. You were just happy being busy and distorted. You know? He messed me. No, there's a better life to live, a life of precision, a life living with with God empowering something and God blessing something. But you need to ask him. And you ask him, he's going to answer you. Secondly, this will take me longer to write than to say. Need to establish priorities. And principles. Everybody say priorities. Principles. Listen very carefully on this. I'm going to talk about this just for a second here. You have to determine these, predetermine these. Look at me, church. Priorities and principles. You have to determine these. You have to predetermine these based on God's word. And here's the good thing once you get these set, I've got these set. I'm continuing to refine these things, but I've got these set. And once you get these set, and this is not news to you, but in this context, listen to it again. When you have your priorities and your principles established, let them make your decisions for you. Let them make your decisions for you. An opportunity come up to get involved in such and such and such and such. You'll go, you know what? That would take me away from God. That would take me away from my family. That would take me away from my call. Can't do it. Oh, but it's a good idea. I know it. But it's not a God idea for me. And then you've got principles in your life. You should have principles. An opportunity comes up to steal something. Or to cheat on something. Or to tell a lie. You've got principles on the inside. And if you'll get these things established, you know what? They will make about 99% of your decisions for you. And so you've got, and it will keep you out of busyness because you know what? I can't do that because of, because of, and you've got to really believe these things. You got to not, don't just buy into somebody else's. I mean, get these established and get them established based on God's word. They will ensure boundaries and they will ensure balance for your life. Thirdly, you need to plan. 
Can I tell you why some of you are so overly busy? You're so disorganized. Just disorganized. And no plan. Proverbs 21 verse 29 says this. The virtuous think before they act. I'll read that again. I think I've offended everybody now this morning. The virtuous think before they act. Proverbs 14, 15 said, the simple believe every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. I think you need to plan. It's been said that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You need to, you need to plan your work and then work your plan. You need to allow some time in your day for creative thought. You need to sit down and study about an opportunity or so forth. Think things out, think things through, write things down and work smart Instead of just working hard and out of control. Number four, prune. Everybody say prune. And I'm not talking about the shriveled up, what are they? Plums? Whatever they are. I'm talking about prune. You've got to cut some things. I wish I had hedge trippers, just trimmers. Just cut some things out of your life. There's some things literally you need to lop out of your life. It's called Elimination. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It's going to require wisdom, it's going to require courage, and it's going to require grace. A good friend friend of mine, though, Keith Moore, he says this way, If you will be more selective, you will be more effective. And we've got to prune Some things out of our lives. Well, I don't even know where to begin. I'll tell you where to begin. Pray. Check out your priorities and your principles. Work out some kind of plan and you're going to realize this doesn't belong. This doesn't belong. You know, there's some things that that massage your ego that really don't need to be a part of your life. And I have to be careful just accepting invitations because what i've come to realize it took me a long time to do this but if i'm invited to go somewhere to speak guess what else i have to do prepare and travel it's just like thanksgiving dinner we rush in and we eat it in 20 minutes but mom and grandma have been working on it for weeks planning shopping cooking preparing doing all those things and then we come in and and it's gone right And I got to realize, I don't know if I want to plan, shop, cook, and then clean up for all of this. So you go back to number one and you pray. But there are some things that we're going to have to just prune out of our life. And when you prune properly, it actually causes growth and increase in your life. And then fifthly, protect. Protect. Everybody say protect. And incidentally, this message is archived like all our messages. And there'll be a study guide and an echo coming out on this. Because this stuff you're going to need to know. This week, you're going to need to know this stuff. Protect. What do I mean by protect? You've got to learn to say no. Everybody practice it. No. Gracious, but resolved. No. And there's a way to do that. And... and, let me just talk just out of my own life if I, as I'm working to do this. It's hard to say no because there's so many good things and good people. And, but at some point, you just got to say, you know what? I can't shoehorn another thing in here without cutting into margin. 
And I love margin because I hate pressure. And sometimes people are just wanting to cut more and more and more of your margin. Come on, will you do this for us kind of thing? And you have to be very prayerful and careful about it. But you've got to learn to say no. When you say no, you're actually saying yes to your priorities and to your principles. And you're saying yes to what is best. Caution. Because we're trying to do all these things. I guarantee you what the enemy will use. Urgent things and exciting things. You're starting to get things in order and guess what? Something urgent or something exciting. And these things are constantly coming at you. Urgent things and exciting and exciting things. Because the enemy wants to load you back up again. And I promise you, you can get this all in order. And you can get your life clear and get the distortion and the busyness and the out of balance out of your life. And you're in a practice of praying. You, you live by priorities and principles. You plan. You've pruned. You protect. I promise you the enemy wants to load you back up again. He wants to eat away at your margin. None of you have ever done this before. But sometimes people will consolidate all of their bills and credit cards. But then they fail to cut up their credit cards and close other accounts. And because of lack of discipline and because of urgent things and exciting things. Before you know it, not only do they have their pile that they consolidated. Now they've filled up everything else again. And that's what the enemy wants to do with your life and with your time and with your energy and everything that's involved in with you. He wants to overload you. Now listen to this. I'm about to close. Study Jesus. Jesus went from one place of prayer and rest. To another place of prayer and rest. That was his pattern. He did incredible things in between. He was never stressed. He was never in a hurry. He did not run a 24 hour a day ministry. And read the scripture carefully. He did not heal everybody. And he did not help everybody. You know why? Because that was not his assignment. He said I only do the things I see my father doing. And I only say the things that I hear my father say. Jesus set an example for us of going from a place. We've got it all backwards. He went from going from a place of prayer and rest to a place of prayer and rest with incredible things in between. Never stressed, never hurried, just doing what his assignment was. Here's the wrong mindset and then I'll give you the right mindset. The wrong mindset is this. There's never enough time. There's too much to do. The pressures, responsibilities, and circumstances are keeping me from balance. Here's the right mindset. Get a hold of this. God will provide all the time and energy I need if I will seek him first and let him guide me. I want you to say this with me. God will provide all the time and all the energy that I need if... I will seek him first and let him guide me. I'm going to do it one more time. God will provide all the time and all the energy that I need if I will seek him first and let him guide me. Let me close with this scripture. Ephesians 5 verse 15 through 17 in the New Living. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But, but like those who are wise, 
Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And if you'll take and apply these things and put him first, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. He will smooth your path. I don't want to live a life of generalities that were so spread out all over everywhere. I want to live a life of precision. And I promise you, God will give you all the time and energy you need. If you will seek him first and let him guide you. So many things we get involved in if we'd asked him first. Well, when we ask him later, he goes, why did you do that? Why are you involved in that? Why are you committed to that? And we need to seek him first. He'll give you all you need to get all the way through. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Good deal.